Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. It's time for yet another edition of Penn Live's Blue White Breakdown podcast all about Penn State football. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Dave Jones. It's time to kind of take a closer look at Penn State's matchup with Villanova Saturday at noon at Beaver Stadium. FBS versus FCS. Dave, what's on your mind? Have you seen uh, any tape of these guys? <laughs> what are Have they you? on the Ray- are they on the Raycom network? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I find that tape. <laughs> ESPN plus plus. Yeah, they got a guy who does the play by play like this with a touchdown, Daniel Smith. <laughs> I've been watching this guy for uh you know, I'm doing my job. You gotta do your job. Actually, the quarterback Daniel Smith, it's like a, one of those guys that went on a Mormon mission. He's like 26. He's I think he's actually 23, but he already has his masters from Villanova. Very, very good little quarterback. Of course, everybody at Villanova is little. Uh, I was also watching the uh, Delaware game, and Delaware's their pitch rival in the CAA uh, against Rutgers. You know, the thing about FCS teams is they, they're they full of good athletes. They are. They're just all smaller. You know, everyone knows about Brian Westbrook at Villanova yeah. a generation ago. He did okay for himself. Mm-hmm. A generation before that, Howie Long, they don't, they don't make him like that anymore. But this Daniel Smith kid, is an impressive uh, kind of quarterback, kind of like the kid at Minnesota. He's liable to do anything at any time, and he really doesn't care in a good way. They were playing, I think they were playing Delaware last year. And, of course, they played a lot of football in the last eight months because they played a spring schedule. Yeah, so they're they're in very, very midseason shape. This kid was scrambling, rolling right. If you haven't seen the tape, you got to check it out. I'm no, I think it. it made. I think it was like the national play of the day when he did it. Like, yes, 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 the play of the day. He was scrambling right, about to go down. Saw his receiver in the end zone and flipped it behind his back. Touchdown pass. I mean, I never seen anything yeah. like it. Uh, so he's kind of a swashbuckler. Doesn't care in a good way, and he's been around forever. So there's that. Uh, they're small but they're speedy. You know, I'm not predicting a Villanova upset here, but but yeah. things could stay interesting for a half in the way they did against Buffalo a couple of years ago because these guys, like I said, they've got a low gas factor, man. They they, they just go out and run around and play. And if yeah. Penn State's not ready to play, that, that could happen, especially with the noon start. To your point, Dave, last week they showed a lot of, I think they must have showed a lot of heart. They, they beat a pretty good Richmond team 
one of the better teams in uh, FCS as well. They they were they were down pretty good in the fourth quarter. They were down two touchdowns with That's five minutes to them. go. Down yeah. two touchdowns with five minutes to go, and it was twenty-seven to thirteen. And Smith just cranked it up and started throwing deep, and he threw through some pretty good deep balls. Uh, yeah. The last one that tied it with two minutes to go and sent it to overtime was probably fifty yards in the air. And he's just a little guy. And they play a lot of RPO. They do a lot of the same kind of stuff too. I mean that 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 would make I guess a lot of sense. They played the, the first two games they played. They won very easily. So the when the quarterback had to make plays last week, he did, and he did it through the air. He spread the ball around. They probably didn't really have to do that the first two weeks because they pretty much I think they handled Lehigh and then Bucknell. So that's why if you're wondering why the guy threw for 350 yards last week, but maybe the numbers aren't that great through three games. They probably didn't need a, a lot. So those numbers might be skewed a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were down 27, 13 late in the fourth quarter. So yeah. they started throwing it around. I think in the middle of the fourth quarter, Richmond had the lead and uh, he had to do what he had to do. Yes. Yeah. Dave first meeting between these two uh, teams since 1951. So I looked it up. It was uh, I didn't look it up. I, re- I was reading the uh, Penn state notes. That was a neutral site game. Do you know where they played? Hershey Stadium? Close. They the played Farm Show Arena. Close. They played in Allentown, PA, Allentown Municipal what? Stadium. Yes. What is it? And the Allentown Allen High School Canaries? They're the Canaries. They are the Canaries. I was born in Allentown. It's the Allen, it's the Allen Canaries, the Deer of Huskies, and the Central Catholic Matt Seneca Vikings. Just a little education for the Penn State fans and for you. And they, they own a three-game winning streak over Penn State. So James Franklin was probably probably playing that up all week. So we didn't get to it on Tuesday, but I was pretty fascinated because it was a little bit of a humble brag by James. I don't know if you remembered it, but I think he was talking about last year and everyone was wearing masks and it was difficult. It was challenging. Did you catch the part where he said, you know, one of his great strengths is reading people and reading their body language and kind of interpreting kind of where their head's at on a given day. Did you pick up on that? When I'm talking about like us, like the media. Yeah. I started, I started thinking about the stuff to try to throw you off, try to throw you off your game. Like uh, ask me a question. Like I'm Franklin. Okay. Yeah. James, I just wanted to ask you about your great red zone defense. Bob, I, I, what's that bottle behind you I on the show? Gonna, I knew you were going to do is that. that. A, is that a yingling bottle? Is that a Michael Schmidt poster behind you? <laughs> he did that to Gallon. He did it to Daniel Gallon on, uh, on Tuesday. I'm like, what? What is he trying? What is he driving at with his? Well, he, you know, he's he's warming up Gallon because he hasn't dealt with Gallon too much. So oh, yeah. that's the first thing he's going to do. What do you think is his read on you? It's a, I don't have any idea. What's anyone's read on me? He's nuts. He's out of his, that is mind. That, yeah, but but you remember he'll he'll do little things. It's a it's a different version of of the same things that Paterno used to do. Yeah, you know, Paterno kind of liked to scrap. He would say things in the middle of uh, like one of his sons was had had been emailing me about something. And he it was back in the days when email was new. That's how long this is. Uh-huh. And in the middle of a press conference, he goes, how's your, how's your pen pal? How'd you been talking to your pen pal? You know, just to, just to show you that, yeah. that he's keeping an eye on you or yeah. whatever. And you, I, don't know. One, I don't know. And one time you famously asked him, I think, about retirement. And he had you dead in the crosshairs. 
And I think it was one of the memorable one-liners. I well, think he, he knew. He, he knew what was coming. I mean, yeah. coaches love to do that. They love to let you know that they have the upper on you, no matter what. And and this that's not really what what Franklin is doing. I just right. think he yeah. likes he likes to mess with you. Yeah. The the, the I think you're t- think referring to Chicago. I believe it was Chicago at the uh, Big Ten Media Days in 2000. The talk had started, believe it or not, you know, 11 years before he was he was finally done. Um, everyone started asking him, I guess he was when, 75 at that point. Let me see. 74. And he knew the question was coming because it had begun. Right. Yeah. It's 2000. As I am wont to do, sometimes I asked like a 20 second question. It was perfect for him. It was a perfect setup in order to try to find out whether whether he was going to had, had an exit plan. And I, right. I wanted to try to ask it in a diplomatic way, but he just broke in and said, <laughs> Jones, the only retirement I'm worried about is yours. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, it's, it's like 150 guys laughing yeah. at me at once. The right. laughter dies down. I start the questioning and oh, he goes, no. and then he goes, and I can't wait. And then, <laughs> you know, more laughter. <laughs> but then he answered the question legitimately. I mean, it's uh I know I would do that, wouldn't you, if you were a coach? Yeah. I mean, would you want to be Brian Harson all the time? Have the personality of a smooth pine door all the time? No, you wouldn't want that. I mean, if, if just having fun, there's nothing wrong with that. I know. I know. But I was just curious if you had picked up on what he said. And just he, he basically said he's that's one of his strengths. He's really good at it. And I don't doubt that. I think he's got. I think one of his degrees, I think, is in psychology. Is it not? Is that? Yeah. And, and I don't think he's ever been afraid of interacting with other yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, some people are really good at what they do and they want to do what they do. They don't really need to socialize with other people. Do you think Bill Belichick wants to socialize with people above and beyond what, the, the coaches on his staff? Probably not. I think Franklin enjoys interacting with other people. Paterno did too. He didn't mind that. He actually kind of relished it. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. We haven't talked a lot about the game, but is there anything in particular you want to see from Penn State on Saturday? Obviously, right after the Villanova game, that the Big Ten season starts off. Uh, they've already had two pretty nice wins, I would say, at Wisconsin and Auburn. How do you see this one playing out? Are there any questions left unanswered for you about Penn State? No, this is just all this is, is don't get anybody hurt. Yeah, that's all it is. Take a rest. Because if you haven't noticed, this Big Ten schedule that they've got is shaping up to be a gauntlet. Michigan State is so much better than we thought they would, uh, better than I thought they would be. Uh, You know who was on them from the get-go was Matt McGloin. Yeah, I know. Um, he told me before the season that he really liked them and what they were doing. Uh, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, the next game they got is Indiana, which is still a tough team that played very good game against Cincinnati and was in the game to the end. Then at Iowa, 
They get another, they get a, a little break there with a bye and Illinois, but then my God, at Ohio State, at Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, which is not going to be a tap in, and at Michigan State. From Halloween on, it's it's brutal. This is this is a nicely spaced break after Auburn. They just have to be careful not to really take the game off. And I don't know what you do about that. I right. mean, would you be able to get your team up for this game after after that whiteout against Auburn? How would you possibly do it? I think the one thing they have in their favor, Dave, is you know when you look at some of the position groups that they have, they have some really good second and third string players at some positions. Not all of the positions, but a lot of these guys, you know, come the second half if they if they play the way uh, they're capable, should be on the field quite a bit. Dave, their third string running back really impressed me against Auburn. John Lovett is a different kind of runner than either Noah Kane uh, or Kevon Lee. He is north south man, and he once he turns it up the field, his speed on that that little swing pass in the fourth quarter he took from Clifford it turned into a nineteen yard gain. And he once he got moving, like he he he's fast, and I, I just think that their depth. So there's a lot of guys, I think, that are going to get a chance to play, and I think that might be pretty motivating for them. You're referring to the two-game disciplinary sp- suspended <laughs> John Lovett? Well, yeah, that, that had not come out before. And I, did, you, did you hear that on the, on the telecast? I did not hear it on the telecast. I was, I was talking about the guy who, uh, who asked the question. But he, he, you could tell by the way he asked it. He was, you know, he was listening to the telecast, and he definitely heard it either had to have been Chris Fowler or Holly Rowe because I don't yeah, think something yeah. that Chris uh, Kirk Herbstreit would would delve into. Uh, yeah, love it is he. I, I never I never saw a lot of him at Baylor. Did you? No, not at all, not at all. Because I didn't watch a lot of Big Twelve. Uh, okay. Even well, when we, we don't really have a lot of chance to do it unless it's like a, a highlight. There's just not a lot of opportunity. So yeah, I think they got to put these guys away and then start worrying about playing second and third. Yeah, guys, because you can you can get into a situation where it's it's still a game in the third quarter. You don't want that. They did it to Ball State, Dave. And I think Ball State, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not I haven't seen enough of Villanova, but I would think that if they if they were able to jump on Ball State a little bit after the Wisconsin game, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that with all the weapons they have on offense and all the depth they have on defense. I, I don't see why they wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it against Villanova. I think the fear is that your defense is not going to play at full speed. They've had a tough first three weeks. They have really worked hard, and it, you just you just wonder if they're going to kind of take a a Saturday, a nice Saturday afternoon off. It's going to be a beautiful day. If there was a possibility of some sort of hammock week, lack lack of of, yeah. of spirit, this would certainly yeah. be it after Auburn before Indiana. The next thing you know, you've got starters out there in, in the middle of the late in the third quarter. I don't think they want that. No, so no, it's, no. it's just better to get it over with, get it done. And then then you can play a lot of those guys. Where are the deepest uh, categories you're talking about after running back? They got running back. Uh, I think they really like their corner room. Uh, I would say the tight end room obviously is pretty good. I think they still feel pretty good about some of their offensive linemen. But, you know, they've always traditionally just pretty much played five starters and maybe one swing guy because continuity is important for the offensive line, especially when you're protecting a quarterback who, who is, you know, if he, so anything happens to him, you know, the season takes a dramatic turn, not for the better. I think those bodyguards are going to be with Sean Clifford as long as he's in the game. 
Yeah, I think ideally the best way they can handle this game is is give the offensive line some work, just working on running the ball straight away, first down, second down, third down, uh, getting Kevon Lee and Lovett some work and gumming them to death by 30, 25 or 30 points. That would be ideal. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't get anyone beat up. You 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 work on the one area you probably need to work on, which is the running game, which was spotty against Auburn. Who did, who did you think performed the best about it of, of anyone on the offensive line? Rasheed Walker had a nice game. Yes, he did. Uh, yes, he did. The uh, the block he made on Noah Kane's touchdown run, he took out about three guys, and that that thing sprang. <laughs> he destroyed uh, that edge, didn't he? Wide, that was, that was yeah, came wide open. Caden Wallace, I didn't think – I think he had struggled a little bit against Ball State and also against Wisconsin. He's a talented player. I thought he played better against Auburn. And really, James is right, and he said it too. When, when, when John Clifford early in the game had about 11 seconds to throw – you could focus on one or two things. Why didn't he get rid of the ball? But also he had a lot of time to throw the ball. I mean, they did a good job of holding up all game. He really only took a couple of shots. And I just think that against that front, that was pretty impressive. I really like Juice Scruggs uh, for sure. And Dave, uh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, five moves Penn State has made uh, either in season or right before the season that have kind of transform the team. And I just want you to get, I want to get your thoughts on maybe the most important. I'm going to give you five. Okay. The commitment and the development of uh, Tyler Warren at tight end, you know, they already had two tight ends. They really liked, but they, they talked about the tight end room. They played him. Uh, he caught a big pass on, on, uh, on Saturday. He's now the wildcat quarterback. It looks like the development of him uh, the decision midway through the Wisconsin game to put Eric Wilson at left guard and replace Anthony Wigan. I think since he's been in the game, it's not just him, right? But I think that was one of the reasons why Penn State really struggled with Wisconsin early in that game. So Wilson at left guard, Warren gets a more a bigger role on the offense. They make the decision back in the spring to essentially move Jesse Lucada to defensive end and they stick with Ellis Brooks primarily as the middle linebacker. That's that's another move. Daquan Hardy is not the biggest guy on the team, but he's now their their slot corner. He's on the field a ton. He's got to match up with guys in the slot. Not the biggest guy, but he's really good as far as tight coverage. They made some plays on him in the Auburn game, but the coverage was there, right? He didn't look back for the ball. It was, it was, it was either an errant Bo Nix throw or it was a back shoulder throw. Down the seam. That's they were another. they were clearly they were clearly going after Hardy though. Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean that that was who they targeted because I don't think they wanted any part of Castro Fields or Porter, yeah, or or any or any Brisker yeah. or anyone else on that defense. That that was yeah. who they targeted. And one final one final move that's a little bit more subtle. When you kind of uh, take Lucada and put him at defensive end, that opens up a starting spot at linebacker. So what they do? They put Curtis Jacobs into the lineup. He can run, but they also move Brandon Smith from the strong side where Jacobs is playing now to the weak side. So he's closer to the line of scrimmage playing in the boundary. And clearly and that's, he is where, that's where he was when he jumped that route. Yeah. He, he is a guy that the closer he is to the action, the greater the chance that he's going to be in on the action. So those are five moves to me that stand out. Which ones do you really like the best in your view? I like the last one because if you notice when he jumped that route, he was coming off coming off his area. 
it wasn't really it wasn't really something that Bo Nix anticipated him jumping that. And I think he has the savvy. He's developed a savvy at this point to do things like that. In order to do things like that, you have to be you have to notice stuff. You have to see stuff coming. And you want a guy like that closer to the ball. He's not going to be Micah Parsons, but man, he's pretty he's pretty close. And that could have been a game changing play. It's just the the kind of thing that happens. I actually counted. He hit the ball six times and the ball actually (laughs) came off his helmet. I actually thought he was going to catch it after like the fifth hit, but it was unfortunate. It just was unfortunate, but but he made the right play, and he's yep. the kind of kid who's going to make that kind of when you when you put that kind of mind together with that kind of body and that kind of of player, the explosive player, good things are going to happen. So I like I like that the best. You're you're talking about big picture changes, but I loved the yep. way Yursich very early in that Auburn game decided. They're playing, uh, they're playing deep zone. They're keeping everything in front of them. We're not going to get the big pitch over the top. Let's work underneath and let's keep working underneath. And he trusted uh, Clifford and Dotson to, to just pitch and catch, pitch yeah. and catch. They didn't get any big plays, but they, they made enough play that it eventually loosened up the running game a little bit. And it also loosened up a spot for those tight ends, which were the two biggest chunk plays in the game. He's going to play chess with you. You want to you you make the first move? You got white. He's he's very happy to have black and and counter your moves and yeah. still get an advantage. I love that. I yeah. love that about what he did in this game. He did the same thing later in the Wisconsin game, but he did it pretty early in the middle of the second quarter in the Auburn game. Yeah, I think the tight ends, the three of them combined for like 130 yards and a touchdown. Theo Johnson had only one catch, but it was like for 36 yards. Warren had a catch. John Dotson threw it to him. Uh, and Brent, Brenton Strange, four for 71 and a touchdown. You're right. He did. Okay, you want to you want to try and take Dotson away deep? Well, you're going to leave something open down the middle, and it yeah. was not, the it was common denominator all in all that is the way they worked on the intermediate zone and worked it and worked it and worked it until they got an advantage. Till Auburn had to adjust, and then you know it's not like the running game was ever busting big plays or in the position to do so, but yeah, they needed to be able to get three and five yards, which they started doing in the second half. And that was a big part of their two second half uh, touchdown drives. He's going to move the pieces around until right. he feels like he has an advantage. He's going to need to do it at Iowa. That's going to be a tough, tough game. David Jones, it's time to make our picks for Penn State. And I'm quite sure you have some Big Ten games you want to attack. So let's hear it. What do you got? For a final score, I know you're not going with Villanova. I haven't even picked the score, but I'm going to say Penn State 40, Villanova 13. I don't even know where the line is in this game. Do you? There's no line. There's no line because it's FCS versus FBS. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. So what do you um, got? I, I said 38-3 Penn State. I just think that there'll probably be a hiccup or something, and the question is, will they – give up a touchdown or a field goal ball state struggled, struggled to kick field goals uh, against Penn state. I think it's going to be, this team will not, this team yeah. has a hell of a kicker. He, he right. can bomb them. Yeah. He's he's, they won't have any problem with it with uh, field goals. 38, three Penn state. And you said what? 40 to 13 Penn state. Yeah. I think they'll get a couple field goals and some sort of touchdown. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Bowling green at Minnesota. What's that line? And you know what Minnesota just did. 30 to nothing. Yeah, pretty impressive. 
Yeah. That was the Colorado team that held A&M to, what was it, 10 to 7? I, I don't know. I, it's pretty hard to handicap college football these days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it really is. But my man, PJ Fleck, Dave, what else can you say about him? What else can you say about him? I know you like him. I like him, too. I'll say it's uh, this game's got to be at Minnesota. I don't know. This feels to me like Minnesota is 17. 31. Uh, you know what's interesting is what do you think the number is? I love the over in this game. The number is 51. All right. Isn't it going to go over 51? I don't know. I don't know. Minnesota's offense. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Give me another one. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, in Soldier Field, neutral site. Doesn't this feel like a defensive struggle? Because it's it's Wisconsin quarterback versus Wisconsin quarterback, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be 17-13. I'm it's just not sure who's going to win. I don't know. I don't know. 17-13 is his final score, though. Well, That's what I'll tell you. It is a pick em. I, I have not been impressed with uh, Notre Dame at all. Oh. I'll, I'll take Wisconsin in the game. Number is 47. I'll take the under for sure. Okay. Can't stay. There's some bad games this week. Yeah. Can't stay at Maryland. Just do it. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want no. Uh, it's 14 and a half. I think that after Maryland, Maryland moved the ball. They just didn't score against yeah. Illinois. They're going to roll it up. They're going to get up. up. They're going to get like 600 yards of offense. Yeah. So I, I think they're going to score in the 40s. I, I think I it's will, for a long day. I'll definitely lo- lay the two touchdowns against them. All right. <laughs> the backyard brawl, Illinois at Purdue. Ooh. They hate each other. People don't yeah. know that because nobody yeah. cares about the game every year, but they hate each other. 20 to 17, Purdue. Purdue is minus 11. Uh, they think Illinois is coming apart. I don't so much. I, I will absolutely take the 11 points there. Uh, Ohio at <laughs> Northwestern. I told you it's a bad week. Uh, Northwestern is just terrible. Is Northwestern favored by a little bit? I'll take Ohio to win outright. The Mac is awful. Northwestern minus 14 and a half. I will definitely take uh, the points in Ohio there. All right. Colorado State at Iowa. Yeah. Iowa is probably a 20-point favorite. 23 and a half. These are brutal. At some point, point they're going to score a very few points, and their defense is going to do what they do. Well, the over-under in that is 44 (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. 20 to six, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I don't know what Indiana was thinking scheduling this game. They are at Western Kentucky. What the hell? The Hilltoppers. Yeah. They're at Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You don't go down in there. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. He's the way that Indiana is playing. Uh, they, they just make too many mistakes, Dave. I think I would probably take the Hilltoppers. Well, it's Indiana minus nine. So I would, I would too. Again, I'd take the points in that. I think that's, I don't, I don't know what else is going on, but I think that's an, Oh, Oh, we got to get this in. This is it. No, Oh, there's two more Nebraska at Michigan state. <laughs> uh, I think Oklahoma might be terrible, Dave, because that yeah. really yeah. surprised me. Michigan state seems like they're the kind of team that not only are they improved, but if they get you down, they're going to try and choke you out. So Maybe uh, Michigan State 34, Nebraska 17. Yeah, and it's only minus five Michigan State. Did you hear what Mel Tucker said after the Miami game? Something about it was some, it was something intimidating, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like something an old Kane would say. We we like to take them down in the deep water where we live. <laughs> All right, give me your last one. And finally, 
Rutgers at Michigan. I know who you're picking, Dave. I know who you're picking. Michigan well, is favored by uh, Michigan's playing really well. Lately, Michigan's so favored by 16. Yeah, it's 20 and a half. Woo, I'll so take everyone, the pianos too. They 20, think they're gonna they think, 13. They think they're gonna play bully ball and win. I need to see what Rutgers does. We'll know we'll know a lot more about Rutgers after this game. If they stand and fight and stand and deliver and lose close, yeah. uh, they're they're who we thought they were. Yeah. That's it for another edition of the Blue Light Breakdown podcast. He's Dave Jones. I'm Bob Flanders. All right. We'll see you guys uh, at uh, State College. This is the Blue Light Breakdown.